Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. All things Chelsea. Keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. All right, well, before we start this episode, Chelsea fans, we wanted to take a moment of silence to honor the Remembrance Day in the United Kingdom, as well as Veterans Day here in the United States. From our perspective, it's the least we can do to show our support for those who have served especially especially for those who have paid the ultimate price. All right. Well, as you can tell, we are back. Chelsea fans, and we know you missed us, even though it was only a short week, but coming after that Roma match, this was a big one we were all looking forward to. But Dan, there is no way Chelsea fans and our listeners missed us as much as Conte missed N'Golo Conte. Unreal. <sighs> Talk about the person who balances some scales, Nick. He returned in uh, September 30th, which was the last time he donned a shirt for Chelsea. Felt way, way too long away. Yep. I love that man. You guys all know that. And today just kind of showed why he's uh, potentially... Um, if not our best player, our most important player. Well, I think that we should go ahead and uh, kick this off. Like we always do with some iTunes reviews, Dan, uh, continuing to just roll in for us. Amazing amount of support from our listeners out there. Yeah, all across the globe. Uh, I kind of feel like 
Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305. <laughs> and uh, we got one dropped in from Australia from uh, Ben Dasm, uh Canada, from Hella541, which we, we threw on, uh, on Twitter and social media this week. Thank you for that. Denmark from Precorp, New Zealand from Pipe Zero, and then from the USA, Jesus141515, all with some five-star reviews on iTunes, which, as always, say, hey, international break coming up. You got an extra minute or two, pop in iTunes, leave that five-star review. Actually, we also got two five-star reviews on Facebook, which was kind of interesting this week. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, leave a five-star, get a little shout-out, bing, bang, bada, boom. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, the, the more five-star re- reviews we get, the faster we come back, Nick. That's how it works over the international break, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. That's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, real quick, as always, we like to give a huge shout-out to our presenting sponsor, World Soccer Shop, who, uh, you know, helps us bring this to you guys. Uh, I think we'd like to point out, Nick, the Champions League third kit look. I mean, the blacks and the teals. Yeah, as we as we get ramped up for our for our first Champions League, um, at least Brandon and I's first Champions League match at the bridge, uh, we went on World Soccer Shop and started putting together some uh, some looks this week. And one of the looks we found was the the black jacket with the teal accents, the gray Henley, and the uh, and the training pants that kind of match the jacket. It's pretty uh, pretty slick look there, Dan. Yeah, I, I've never seen you call dibs on anything faster than barbecue <laughs> and that that third kit uh, training jacket. So definitely very hot all available world soccer shop.com right now all right well here we go meat potatoes of the podcast manchester united was up and is in the premier league taking them on at stanford bridges this past sunday november 5th mark it on your calendars ladies and gentlemen because the score was blues one red devil zero we had a few correct score predictions. We're going to give a couple quick shout-outs on Instagram. We had Go Kick Rocks, and on Facebook, we had Paul and Brett. I think Brett is one of the, the CIA Kansas City guys, isn't it? Yep. All right. I, did, I watched the match with him today. Sounds like collusion, Brett. We might have to double-check that. I apologize. <laughs> fake fake news. All fake. <laughs> Dan, Go what about the rocks. lineup? Go Kick Rocks sounds like it's probably Phil Jones' uh, handle, though. He could be. That guy is just the most uncorded professional athlete I've ever seen, which is unreal. Um, but let's go ahead and look at the lineup. Uh, Chelsea in the 3-1-4-2, according to PremierLeague.com. Yeah, and there was some uh, you know training bib photo detective work slash you know, fallout news prior to the match that saw uh, Thibaut Courtois you know, behind. Azpilicueta Christensen slotting into the center of David Lee's Louise not even on the bench he was back there kind of with the likes of, of Kennedy uh, chilling uh, keeping warm on a, a cold evening in London Gary Cahill retains his spot and Conte comes back with Zappacosta, Fabregas, Bakayoko and Alonso in the middle and then uh, Murata and Hazard uh, also getting their opportunity to play so definitely the 3 Four, one, three, kind of, if you're looking front, backward, Nick kind of started with uh, Willie Caballero, Anthony, Antonio Rudiger, William Drinkwater, Ampadu, Pedro, and Bashuayi on the bench. Yep. I mean, this was, um, it was a little interesting, and we'll get into, we'll get into the Louise stuff uh, later on for sure, but... Uh, with all of the, you know, we've we've talked about rotation and defense all all season. 
this was another uh, iteration of uh, of a back three. Um, and you know, with N'Golo Conte slotting back, you know, I think I think the call out that he was centrally, you know, a- almost kind of uh, tied to the hip of Christensen was was about right, Brandon. It, it seemed like he was much more on the defensive cover, allowing for Sesk and Bakayoko to find acres of space uh, behind United Smithfield. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about uh, our intentions setting up for this match. You know, United lining up on the other side in a 3-4-1-2, so a little bit different, but it's going to be crowded in the midfield all day, and we'll get into that because I think that's pretty much where everyone can agree that the the match is won and lost. But looking at some stats, though, Chelsea on 54% possession, okay? We had eight shots on target to United's two. We had 18 total shots there, 10 Um we outpassed them, out tackled them, didn't out clear them though. And uh, Dan Love is 36 fouls in this match. It's four yellow cards. Could have been more. A little bit of a question in that. But pretty intense that uh, thankfully United had 20 of the 36 fouls. Yeah, and this is a physical battle. And when you have players like Eden Hazard, who is a moving foul magnet. <laughs> for opposing teams it was going to be contentious throughout the entire day and uh, with with over 30 fouls between both teams it, it definitely was that for the entirety of the 90 plus minutes there that we saw for this entire match but nick isn't that coming we want out of this right is this is going to be a hard fought contentious battle we want these teams to get stuck in and go after each other you know some of the top teams in the premier league well, of course, and and historically, I mean, it, it won't shock anyone to know that you know historically this has been a really uh, nitty gritty um, kind of balls to the wall game, and you have to be tough to play in a game like this. You know, I think both teams showed a good amount of toughness. You know, I think of those thirty six fouls, there could have even been more called. I think Anthony Taylor had a ridiculous day. Um, you know, called some fouls that weren't fouls and then didn't call others that were obvious. Um, so it, you know, I, I think this, this number could have even gone up to, uh, to 40 or 42 and, and yeah, I mean, it was kind of a knockdown drag out affair. Well, I think when you look at the fact that Murata's, you know, under armor kind of Nike style equivalent, you know, undershirt was getting ripped to pieces. I think it's every indication you needed to see that there was, uh, and that, a that was in the game. first minute. That was in the first minute too. So, you know, I think or, or the first challenge that went that went through. I mean, he got he got ripped to shreds. So, yeah, it was a uh, it was a big big time game for big time players. I think that Anthony Taylor uh, shot out the gate pretty quick, calling pretty much everything uh, from a foul standpoint, and then he ended up backing off later in the match. And like you said, Nick, not really calling anything. And that's the balance that we got out of this match. But, you know, it uh, it is what it is for the most part. So, uh, obviously, Dan, we got business to talk about. 55th minute. <laughs> I'm already whoa, whoa, laughing, whoa, Nick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hold up, hold up. And then, like, fifth minute, Phil Jones, best own goal of all time. Crowd goes wild. Mourinho lost again at Drift at Sea, wondering how the match started off as poorly for his team. Uh, Nick, Nick, that was what happened first, right? Yes, that's what happened. That was the first goal of the game. In in the real world, that's what happened. Uh, Not in Anthony Taylor's world, where he... Uh, you know, incorrectly did not give that own goal. Although I think we can all say, 
Hell of a finish by Phil Jones. Yeah, fine <laughs> form. Fine form. Top bins, as they say. Falling so, uh, face forward, smashes <laughs> it into his own goal. Again, coordination. Like I'm gonna have yeah. to look up his FIFA stats. There's no way they're anywhere close to anyone else. Finishing 99. The <laughs> only thing Phil Jones uh, didn't do with his face was that, and and I think that. You know, when you look at a Phil Jones type of performance, the only way that gets better is if he kicks the ball off of his face and it goes in. That's because, Chicharito style. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's, that like well, the, that's what I expected. Would that be like the equivalent of a soccer slash football um, nothing but net Michael Jordan commercial? If he bounced it <laughs> off the face into the goal? Bank shot, boom. Crushed him. So, all right. Well, after that, Glorious opener. Uh, 55th minute assists Pilaqueta to Marata exactly the way you'd expect it. A deep cross from a central position to a wide open Marata just inside the box. Dude delivered a smashing header to the near post upper corner. Uh, To me, it was a world class finish. I think he had a lot to do, uh, Dan, even as he jumped up. Yeah, the headmaster does it again, uh, continuing the run of form that the Assist-Biloqueta to Maranta partnership has uh, yielded its fifth goal over 10 games for Chelsea, which has been nice to see. Uh, Jones kind of floated into coverage to kind of keep Bakayoko presence taken care of, but uh, maybe had a little bit of a mental error as uh, Smalling then also goes to cover Bakayoko's route, and uh, Eric Bailly has uh, two people to defend against. Morata and Alonso. Well, Nick, uh, it's kind of interesting how this all unfolded because as we're talking about Phil Jones, he was tracking Hazard into the midfield pretty high up the field for the most part, leaving a gap. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened again. He left his post, uh, kind of left Smalling in a, in a bit of a... A pickle. Does he go and, and cover? Um, does he go and cover Bakioko, or does he stay with Murata? He chose the the the, the former, and um, again, a ton of space for Murata at the top of the box. Yeah, he had a lot to do with this too. I mean, this was uh, you know in the middle of a frantic period of like ten minutes for Chelsea, where there could have been three or four goals scored, and that cross was not the most easy. Uh, for Murata to get his head around, so you know, I think all credit to Murata uh, to to place that thing uh, so perfectly. But but yeah, I mean you saw this all day, Brandon. To your point, uh, you know Bailly would track Hazard back in the midfield. Um, Phil Jones would take a stab, and then Smalling. It was like a coordinated effort, um, which you expect nothing less of from a uh, Jose Mourinho managed squad. So I, I think you know it's just one of those instances where. Uh, there might have been a little bit of miscommunication. And then, you know, if you're going to leave that guy with that uh, beautiful head of hair open uh, on a on a delicious cross from Cesar assist Piliqueta, you know, I think that's a pretty easy uh, slam dunk, Dan, you know, just a slam dunk is what that is. <laughs> uh, to go back to our analogy of <laughs> nothing but net and McDonald's commercials from the 90s. Yeah, it was it was quite the finish and exactly what you wanted to see happen and quite deserving of the, you know, someone who wants to get a big game status and is taking over the mantle for Diego Costa. It's it's everything we wanted. But I mean, part of it is Nick, we've seen this before from Mourinho's United teams. Ander Herrera, his man marked Hazard, um 
you know, the the coordinated kicking of Hazard. Like, this is all familiar to Chelsea and Hazard specifically. So, you know, it was done deeper in the pitch uh, today, but it absolutely was there. I mean, Hazard took quite a few fouls from quite a few different people. Ander Herrera, which is, I think, every Chelsea's fan just most hated player, oh. most obnoxious. Like he looks like a child, but he's not. He's very like devious, and he oh. has terrible intentions. And if he asked to date your daughter, you'd kick him in the face. Isn't he, isn't he the grown-up equivalent of that child from the the Omen series of movies? Like, you know, you can't trust him for anything because you know, literally, there's a devil living inside him. I hate that dude so much. Yeah. I, like for for those in Kansas City today, and I know there are a small population of people there. They will know how much I yelled at the TV, dropped f bombs at Andrew Herrera's general direction. I, I just uh, I, there are a lot of despicable characters in the in the Premier League, and he is he's probably top of my list right now. But also would be the one person who could also go up for a supporting actor role. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> he has uh, a secondary. He has a secondary career in his future. I, I think Bailly had a, a couple of those moments too today. Mm-hmm. Oh, an arm touched me. Oh, oh God, uh, I might be dead. Except now I'm back on the field and ready to go. Oh, are you talking about the Alonso one where he oh, just yeah. fell to the ground? <laughs> ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was nice to see Chelsea players uh, being the frustrated ones that the the opposing team were just crumpling under essentially next to no contact. It, you know, we're the ones taking it to United and their strategy was to let Anthony Taylor bail them out of situations because they knew that they couldn't clear or play their way out of it uh, much like Chelsea were doing today so let's just go ahead and um, you know keep it oh I'm sorry quick shout out quick shot CFC on Instagram Eric he's asking so are we all getting assist Pilaqueta jerseys now and I know Nick for sure is going to get the mock-up done on worldsoccershop.com and send it out for the world. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to talk to those guys because I should really patent this uh, trademark it, copyright it, whatever I need to do. Uh, it's catching on worldwide, Dan. Uh, assist Pilaqueta. Yeah, I, I think we should should move forward from this. All right, we can do that. <laughs> we should we should stay on it for an uncomfortable amount of time. <laughs> well, and that time has passed. <laughs> All right. Well, Conte said in his post-match press conference that having three midfielders was the answer to most, not all, of his problems. Uh, Nick, do you think that was the answer to at least like the defensive issues that we've been having this season? N'Golo Conte was the answer to the defensive problems that we had this season. And, you know, standout performances, I think, all across the back line. You know, I think I think there was a level of focus today that might not have been there in previous weeks. And, you know, I think, frankly, overall, this was a dominant performance. Uh, I think Chelsea took it to United all day. Um, and, and if not for some just shambolic finishing, you know, this could have been a 4-0, 5-1 type of game. Honestly, I know that sounds ridiculous for a Chelsea United game, but I mean, it's to, the finishing was ridiculous. The midfield, though, is... performed much better today. Cesc Fabregas, without the weight of a defensive midfielder role in his brain, was free to make moves and and start um, passing movements. Bakayoko was able to drive forward into space and found a lot of it today. I think he he played uh, really well without the ball (laughs) Um, uh, and and was good at finding space. And and N'Golo Conte was his brilliant self. I mean, the dude was absolutely... um, 
on on point and there's no other way to put it i mean you, you can have your paul pogba's i am taking in Conte every day of the week dan yeah he's the one who provides the stability for the rest of the squad there and without him we were adrift lost at sea with with Sesk and Bakayoko trying to stitch something together and you know it, the the guts kept on spilling out and he was the cauterizing of the wound and brought us back to some some rigidity back there and it was it was excellent to see i, I think Bakayoko the, the just needs to learn how to shoot man just needs to learn how to shoot cuz he was finding all the space in the world to move forward to win the ball and uh, it was nice to again and to see the Chelsea players winning the ball and actually getting you know an opportunity to do something with it playing forward for uh, for a change after the past few games. Well, I mean, 4-5-1 wouldn't be that crazy. It was 4-0 last year at Sanford Bridge. I mean, Pedro scoring in the first minute and just kind of unlocked from there. Obviously, N'Golo Conte scoring. He did take a shot from about 22 out. You know, we had that short free kick. Fabregas played him. He hesitated, though. He didn't want to do it, but uh, I'm sure all the fans were behind him taking that shot. Um, you know, kind of talking about this midfield. So it's fun to hear Gary Neville's side every time United lose uh, because he usually has, you know, some way of, of bailing them out. But today he talked about Chelsea's midfield and he said this, quote, Angola Conte was doing his job brilliantly. Bakayoko was running off of him and Hazard and Fabregas were dropping in and controlling the match. United were just well short in that area. If you dominate the midfield in the big games, you're in business and Chelsea did. Um, he actually named Cesc Fabregas as his man of the match. Fabregas today created six goal-scoring opportunities. No other player had more, uh, or had more than just one, and he actually had 94 touches, which is more than everyone else on the pitch. So, as much as I thought Angolo Conte was literally back to his form, like he didn't skip a beat. Right, he came in today and looked like he'd been playing every single match. He was so sharp. He was so quick covering the midfield cover. Uh, it was just fantastic. And obviously, like you said, Nick, Fabregas essentially was unlocked to go do what Fabregas does best. Yeah. And again, this we've we've only seen this a couple of times this year. <laughs> Literally, I think the uh, you look at the Atletico Madrid uh, away match, the famous uh, winner there. Uh, and, and just a couple of other matches where all three of these people have played together in a single match and you see the potential for it, right? Like you see the potential for Bakayoko to drive the ball forward and to really bring, you know, a, a couple of the midfielders and defenders with him. You see the ability for Cesc Fabregas to have more time and space on the ball, creating all sorts of lethal chances and interacting better with uh, Murata and Hazard. And then you see N'Golo Conte doing what no other player in world football can do, frankly, and and that is mop up, uh, deflect, intercept, um, bake, a, bake a pie while he's doing all of that and then come back, let it cool, and then bring the ball forward and then do his thing. I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. And I, I just watch now and laugh about how good he is. Uh, because I think most of the commentators, I think Gary Neville was was spot on there, uh, just marvel at, at what he can do. And when you're watching football being played at that level and it's not a goal scorer and everyone's paying attention to the defensive midfielder, um, you know that person's special, right, Dan? I mean, it just has to be. 
I guess the real question I would have is that was that the pie, the humble pie I saw Mourinho <laughs> eating after the match that Angola Conte spent time to bake? And if so, where can I find the recipe to share with my friends and family uh, for those wonderful occasions? There's no way you're getting that recipe. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, I mean, gen- the general has it locked down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm 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 just a massive fan, and you know, you think about. Drink water, you know, as a sub in this too, in the in the midfield. I think uh, it was a little harsh on Sesk to be subbed um, today. I think that Bakayoko was a better candidate to be subbed, honestly. But uh, but yeah, it was you know it was nice to get drink water some time with those other two as well. You know, just to start to build that chemistry. Yeah, it's nice to feel like it, the place that was the point of shredding for the past couple of matches, which was the midfields. Uh, you know, you also saw balls being played through the midfield more this match versus the distribution to the wings, up the wings to a cross into the box. And we really had the opportunity to run through the midfield. And if that's what we can get to see in the next string of after an international break of 5, 10, 15 matches, I think it's going to give people a new look and give us an opportunity to play a little differently which the, the contention has been, can we continue to play 3-4-3 three, three and win games uh, while conceding either the midfield or conceding the wings? And it's been really, really tough for Chelsea to find rhythm, and I'll bite that has been at the issue of not having the right personnel. Right now we have the right personnel to lock down the midfield, and, and the wings actually yeah, were the, the probably the harder part of the play of this game for Alonso and for Zappacosta, but even then, uh, they, they shone uh, pretty well in this match. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was the three-man midfield that, you know, was the reason we had so many chances, but I just want to talk about how wasteful we were in front of goal today. I mean, specifically, Murata had essentially two breakaways that he just took too many touches. Bakayoko had two amazing chances. And then Hazard had a really good opportunity to take um, a first-time shot, and it went right into De Gea. But, I mean... Like, if we took, you know, we're a little bit clinical. I mean, this is where we're talking the four goals come from. And I I think that um, Murata was just maybe trying to do a little too much. And I guess we could just go back to him only scoring headers, Nick, because it's one touch. It's simple for him. Just just hit it. Oh God! Uh, if you were if you were like me, uh, you were also yelling at the TV and saying lots of expletives about the the finishing today. Um, holy bucket of hell! Um, Bakayoko, the goal has the frame around it. Um, it's where you would like to generally direct your shot towards that, and, and you don't want to hit the guy standing in the middle of it because he can catch it, but. Let's start there, and then, you know, and I know he joked on on Instagram or on Twitter after the match about being wasteful, but dear God, man, like, figure that out. You're a professional, and and you've scored goals before. Ridiculous. Uh, Murata, uh, man, you're a striker, and a lethal one at that, and you can't direct the ball on goal with your feet. You know, when we saw you at Stoke, shoot all sorts of different ways and, and bury him, like... That it was, it was a match, Dan. That I think you know, since we won it, you know, we'll look back on this a little more kindly than we probably would have if if United would have had a late equalizer. But 
that that basically caused the match to be a hell of a lot more nervous at the end than it should have been. It definitely didn't give us the opportunity to celebrate the way we should be able to celebrate after a win like that when you convert 18 shots into eight on target and then only one goal to come out of it, which as you would listen to Rina's press conference afterwards, uh, one goal, three points, it's important. And yeah, I I would really love to see uh, Bakayoko especially uh, put on some of those uh, FIFA uh, finishing drills this week and uh, play those in real life because there were some prime opportunities I think he could have executed on. And look, he's a young footballer comparatively and will have the opportunity to get better in that regard. And I think Murata, more from the work in the trenches he did this match, was pretty exceptional. Well, I mean, Bakioko tweeted about it afterwards, after the match, you know. He kind of took a shot at him at himself. Um, it, it's the same thing Zappacosta did when, you know, he couldn't take a throw-in. Um, it, it's just kind of like, I feel like the Chelsea players are showing more personality this season, which is nice. Um, thankfully, though, this didn't cost us. And, you know, yeah, yeah the, the, the Mishi school of humility in those moments that they exactly. have all learned from it'd be nice if it turned into uh, execution on the final product too which is <laughs> yeah maybe gonna, where the more of the work should be done and less on the the keyboard yeah they're gonna have to work it out for sure this week because uh, they have time i mean i don't know bakioko might go to france duty he hasn't been called up recently so maybe he'll be hanging around Cobham this week and we'll have some extra time to work on that finishing and training so uh, but i do also want to talk about uh not only the midfield the fact that we 100 percent outplayed their midfield without a doubt um it was actually better because for example lukaku didn't even touch the ball inside chelsea's box uh, our defense today, I thought, were scrappy. It wasn't a clean performance defensively, Dan, but I thought that they battled to win. Uh, you know, as many of the uh, the entry passes into Lukaku and Rashford, and later Martial. And like I said, I thought it was a gritty performance. Um, but they they put their hearts on their sleeve, and uh, they did well, especially with um, Christensen coming in for Louise. Yeah. Uh, exquisite, exquisite defensive performance. You know, Christensen looked every bit like someone who should be starting weekly in the Premier League. And, you know, we'll get into the David Louise being dropped and uh, what's up with that. But Christensen, uh, you know, we, we talked about meritocracy for a while. And, you know, at a point, maybe it didn't feel like that, that the lineup was more out of necessity or more out of a favoritism towards certain type of players. And, yeah, you know, there was a, a comment made by I think Nazar and a few of our friends talking about how Emanalo jumped up and was high fiving Christensen as he you know walked off the pitch today uh, because he put in a big game performance and he made Lukaku look like he wasn't worth any bit of his you know close to hundred million dollars in transfer fee. <laughs> And then Cahill, reborn a little bit and really did a great job against Mkhitaryan, Nick, in some of the one-on-ones there. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the defense as a whole played uh, as a unit. Right. Like there, the, you saw in previous matches, you would see, you know, Dave go on a, a random run or Louise kind of come out and leave the other two stranded. I think they I think they stuck together much better today. I think mean, Christensen had a phenomenal game. Um, 
Dave obviously uh, did it on both ends of the pitch, um, and uh, and then Cahill I think uh, was was really solid today. Not not great by any means, but I think didn't make a crucial mistake uh, either. And I think that you know him being back on his on his normal side with Alonzo, who I think had a much better game as well. Um, that all paid off, you know, and to have Ingolo Conte in front of him, which is, you know, the ultimate security blanket. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I think, I think you look at that, that defense and that defense can, can shut out, you know, if, the, if, if that defense can shut out a really good United team, then, you know, you would think that, you know, th- it should probably just stay like that for as long as we can, you know, maybe sub in Rudiger for Kale if he gets leggy or whatever, but, Let's just pick one and 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 stay there for a little bit and and try and get some clean sheets. Well, I think Antonio Conte even had came out and said that playing Cahill on the right side was a mistake. Um, you know, I think that we get a little bit back to uh, Christensen again, not putting a foot wrong as he continues to just put in performance after performance. Um, but, you know, I think Cahill looks shaky at best with the ball. He keeps in that damn Cruyff turn as well. It's it's unbelievable uh, how many times he does that in a match. Uh, but I think he did fantastic botting up United's big front man in Lukaku. And especially later in the match with Fellaini, uh, he did really well as Matic put that ball back across the six-yard box, you know, in the four minutes of stoppage time which I missed um, you know Azpilicueta even was pushing Lukaku out of the way that was great to see you know a little guy taking on that big Belgian um, and then obviously I would you know I, I it wouldn't be normal if I didn't give props to Courtois you know he made a couple of good saves maybe one really good save late in the game and again it's tough when you don't really don't have anything to do most of the match to just be able to flip the switch and literally turn it on at the end so uh, again it was a it was a good cohesive performance uh, the unit working well Rudiger came on um, you know uh, after that last week's performance it's it's understandable you know why he's maybe not in contention for every single week because Cahill he at least didn't hurt us today right and Rudiger definitely hurt us in Rome so we'll have to see how it goes from here but you know the one thing that is going to linger I think over the team as we continue to you know get ready after the international break is the David Luiz situation uh Killian underscore SB on Instagram saying what's up with Conte's comments about Luiz um, so, you know, if you missed it, um, right after the match, they do a TV kind of react to the match interview. And Conte's answer led people to believe that David Luiz maybe didn't really have a future at Chelsea unless he changed his attitude. And when you got into the actual press conference, sit down, you know, the much more formal, uh, you know, recap, he kind of backtracked on it a little bit, I'd say, Nick. But I th- a lot of the talk afterwards was, is this a player power versus manager power situation? And I'm really hoping that that is the knee jerk overreaction. And this is just kind of a, a one off thing. So this is interesting to me. Um, one because I think you know there there are a lot of factors at play, right? David Luiz, the warrior. David Luiz is one of the most well liked Chelsea players. David Luiz, you know, in in training and in marketing materials and in you know post match interviews, seems like the fun loving 
you know, Brazilian guy, you know, he's, you know, they always show behind the scenes clips of him at training, you know, shaking hands with, you know, the people who are allowed to watch. And I think he's generally been a really, really good ambassador for the club. However, Antonio Conte runs the team. And so I would imagine that watching film after the Roma match uh, on, on Tuesday was probably not a pleasant experience for anybody. Um, and, you know, if, if this is a long running thing that David Luiz has a problem with Antonio Conte's training methods or uh, with his tactics or whatever, then, you know, he's going to have to figure it out and, and figure out a way to get back into the team and play like Conte wants him to play because, at the end of the day, man, uh, he, to me, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's still a warrior, still super athletic. But, you know, when you see Andreas Christensen put in a performance today against a really, really good Manchester United team and, and basically pocket Lukaku um, and, and stop, you know, Fellaini in the last minutes, who's a, a, a tower to handle, uh, you would you would see the future of Chelsea's defense right there. And Dan, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know I think Antonio Conte has made it quite clear about how he feels about um, any sort of uh, dissension in the ranks. It definitely brings to, to question and the the exact comment that you know Conte had after the match when asked about. Uh, you know, on Sky Sports about Luis and his future, which is the quote going around, which I don't know. And that, that's that been the headline. But he followed that up with a, he has to work really hard. Otherwise, he is on the bench and in the stands, uh, like any player would be if they are not performing appropriately. And I would tell you that if we believe, and if Conte believes that the merry-go-round of defense has been a part of the problem, for this squad right now, he is going to want to solidify that back three. And it seems like Cahill, for the most part, has a clean pass at that. As Pulicleta, as a vice captain, has been exceptional and returned to form, uh, had, you know, kind of a little a little stumble and was perfect this match in both the wing back and in the right center back position. And if you're telling me that Christensen can play like that against Lukaku and Rashford and Mkhitaryan, that and the next time we get to take the field competitively against West Brom, that you don't want him going against Jay Rodriguez from <laughs> from West Brom? Like, I, no, I want him there. And it's tough. It's tough. It was tough when we had to say, hey, you know, John Terry's great, but I don't necessarily want him leading this back three lineup. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough moment, I think, you know, Brandon. And I just wonder if we will – see maybe Louise here get to play the part of you know John Terry uh, last season and and lose a spot and have to become the warrior from the the back and off the pitch hey, we'll see about that you know just a few weeks ago Antonio Conte also called David Louise their best defender um, he was asked about that today and said yeah things change uh, um, what stuck out to me though is as you pointed out Conte did say this could happen to any of his players. It's not like he's picking on David Luiz. Uh, everyone is on the chopping block if uh, they put in a bad run of performances, if they have a bad attitude in training. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that go into it. And so for me, I feel like, uh, you know, David Luiz is an experienced uh, professional footballer, uh, good relation with the club, and I think that this will settle quickly. But it definitely did surprise a lot of people that he was in kind of regular street clothes today and not even on the bench, which... I mean, 
I mean, really quick though, like it's a numbers game too, right? Antonio Conte can can play this hand, and and knowing that he has four fit central defenders, if David Luiz is permanently in street clothes, right? But, so but it's like, still a gamble against Manchester United. It's a it is a massive gamble. It, it showed to me. I think that showed the the statement of intent from Antonio Conte. He sat him for you know up to up to that point might have been our, our third biggest match of the season to this point. So it was a massive gamble, Brandon. You're right, but like at the end of the day, it, he only has four other fit central defenders too. And if he's playing a three back, you know, I mean, I think you can kind of start doing the math in your head that David Luiz is. You know, if he, if he shows up to training and has the right attitude, he's probably going to approach the squad again. I mean, it's not like yeah. last year when we had six, you know? Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I mean, um, like I said, I think that there is a little something deeper than just his performance because he wasn't on the bench, probably just how he reacted. But look, we're all human, you know? You don't want to have to watch that freaking AS Roma game back every single day for a week. That was That was rough. I don't know about that part, though, because if you think about, you know, to the point that maybe it is a little bit of tactics, you know, we're running a five-man midfield, essentially, and you're going to want more options there throughout the match where Drinkwater, uh, Louise Jr., Ampadu, and you know, then you also have attacking options and backups in, you know, William and Pedro and then Michi. Like, you don't have a lot of free spaces left to attribute and David Luiz also has been injured I mean he's been bandaged in pretty much every match we've seen him in for the past month or so so yeah I guess there you know there's there's narrative there's reality and somewhere in the middle of that is what's actually going on with David Luiz and Chelsea and Conte right now I would without you know with being completely on the outside looking in I would say pretty assuredly that if David Luiz he w- he was fit to be on the bench today. That's what I think. Well, right, and and you think about qualifying coming up, or or friendlies, or whatever is happening this weekend, this upcoming weekend. Like Brazil's already qualified. You know, he should if it is a physical thing at all, he should have time to recover in time for West Brom, and then we'll see what happens. But I think I think more more than likely this might be a a couple of week you know, thing where him and Conte end up hugging it out again and, you know, we're we're back to regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, like like I said, I don't think this is a long term thing. Uh, but I just think it was more than form. Alright, well instead of um kind of a one word associated player, I just want to get you guys' reactions on Antonio Conte not shaking hands with Mourinho after the match. So how does that make you feel? How did you react to that? Anything in it to you, Dan? Or is this just kind of another exciting media narrative? I, uh, I feel nothing. I feel <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I shake many hands. Many hands get shook. And I, I think I shake hands of backroom staff, of uh, brother. And it uh, is good. <laughs> why, why is this a question? <laughs> Uh, I I wish I could do. Uh, by the way, was that your Mourinho or your Conte? I couldn't. No, that was, that was my Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could do a better, terrible Italian accent than I than I have just to play the Conte side of that. But this is a this is just a media thing. Uh, they shook hands before the match. You know, they were you know next to each other the entire match. I mean. I 
what does it matter? Like in an ideal world, yes, you would go up, you'd shake everyone's hands after the fact. But after the week that Chelsea Football Club have had, you know, losing at Roma, a lot of the inquest stuff, I had to tell people to f off with the Conte outs thing, you know, whatever. Like Antonio Conte deserved to celebrate this win. Uh, he celebrated it last year when we beat him 4-0. He's going to celebrate it again tonight. You saw the, uh, the passion come out of him. He was hugging all of his players. Uh, you know, leave this be. Yes. And, and you know, for Mourinho, too. Mourinho is the king of not shaking hands, going to the tunnel early. This is this is a nothing burger with, with nothing sauce and, and nothing cheese on it. It is nothing. I mean, Conte did say after the match, he's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. He goes, I had to celebrate with my players and everything. He goes, I shook his hand twice already. Like, we did it. <laughs> you know, how many how many photo ops do you guys need of Mourinho and I shaking hands? So, um, yeah, it, it's it's not a big deal. It's just funny to talk about because people try to make it a big deal. Well, the question asked to him by the reporter was, um, Antonio, in this country, it's tradition to shake the other manager's hand after the match? And Conte was like, yeah, don't care. I'm busy celebrating. Like I got better things to do. So I was I was happy to hear that. They made me feel better. So uh, anything else you guys want to talk to about on this match before we uh, head to the divisive man of the match pool? Yeah, I would say that Marcus Alonso um, earned a little bit of credit back in my book today. I think he played pretty well. Um, I know that some on Twitter didn't think so. Uh, I will I will argue with you people on a different day, but uh, for the amount of ground he covered, and I think the amount of space that he had to cover, you know, without the three up front, um, I think he was he was pretty good. And I, you know, after a bad month or so of form for him, uh, I think that he really came back and, and played pretty well today. I think that's fair. You know, a little love for Lonzo. Dan, what about you? You know, I got hit up on Twitter after the match asking from someone you know, who lives in Denmark what the kind of general Chelsea fan consensus was of Andrews Christensen and I guess the commentary the thought from, from their perspective is that they're wondering if he's going to be benched comparatively to you know when Zuma comes back next season off of loan and uh, I mean my thought would be is that if he plays the way he continues to play and earns and gets these opportunities from the manager and takes them appropriately. Uh, there's no reason he's not a, a starter for our team in the current uh, future. You know, he's been referred to as the future and the present by Antonio Conte, and I think for all the right reasons. Oh, he's way ahead of where Zuma's at. I, th- I think. I mean, just he's played in bigger matches and Stoker leaking goals this season, which I mean, it's not Zuma's fault necessarily, but it's not really putting him in a good situation, I'd say. So, um, all right. Well, hey, we got a we got a man of the match poll here. It says, oh yeah, we should probably conduct a man of the match poll too. Hashtag Chaymon. <laughs> uh, Dan, a uh, lot of comments on this one. Seventeen responses. Uh, what did you? Uh, Would you go with this time? Well, you know, it wasn't a lot of good joking to go after this one. You know, Anthony Taylor really wasn't an option for the man in the match poll this one. Uh, he would definitely try to work himself into contention. Very, very close. Uh, Phil Jones <laughs> also would have been an option if the goal had sanded. So we went with uh, Conte Reborn, Headmaster Murata, Assis Bulaqueta, and the Garden of En Hazard. And uh, Conte Reborn won with 51% of the vote, followed by Headmaster Murata with 20 
Garden of Eden Hazard, 18, and it's Cispolqueta at 11. Even though you love the name so much, Nick, it did not uh, fall to the top of the list here. Um, well, look, I mean, I think we've talked about uh, Cesar assist Filiqueta uh, quite quite a lot today. We've given him his due. Uh, I think we got a lot of flack um, on Twitter for those you know million people who commented. Cesc Fabregas, um, you know, since he since he had such a great match, and I think you know who scored even rated him the second highest Chelsea player. Um, so you know, props to Cesc. He just barely squeaked out. We couldn't put the whole squad in there. And then uh, I think the other shout would be for uh, for Christensen as well. I think Christensen was a, a great player. Just didn't have the assist to uh, to his name uh, like assist Piliqueta did, Brandon. You know, it's it's a good situation to be in when you're getting yelled at for all of these options that could have been in there. And that just goes to show how many players played really, really well today. And um, I think that just kind of goes to show that Twitter should give us more than 140 characters and more than four options for a man in the match pool. I mean, that's not too much to ask for. Maybe verification? Maybe? Come on. <laughs> We're just never going to get verified. It's yeah. just, you know. I mean, blue check mark, blue for Chelsea. You know, just it makes too much sense. We just need but to find clearly. a Twitter employee that's on their last day to just give it to us, because apparently that's what Twitter <laughs> employees do on their last days. They just say the rules no matter. <laughs> Sorry, Trump. Uh, shout out to that Twitter employee as well. Massive shout out. So, in case you didn't know, someone deactivated. President Trump's Twitter account in America. So, anyways, as it stands uh, right now, Chelsea are uh, in fourth place on 22 points, trailing Tottenham in third on 23, uh, who are level with United on 23. Surprising to me that United have a better goal difference than Tottenham, but it is the way it is. And then, obviously, Man City continuing to cruise. Uh, Liverpool have jumped up to fifth. Arsenal dropped to sixth. And so I'd say, like, the top six are back. Um, it's only four points between sixth and second right now, so uh, a lot of pressure being applied from fifth and sixth right now. So we'll have to kind of keep our eye on that and see how it goes. So we have those three three wins in a row, though. I mean, don't look now, but I mean that's a mini winning streak in and of itself. It's true. We're starting to get the green bubbles to uh, to repopulate. United are on a big wobble. Uh, Tottenham, you know, they've won four out of the last five. They're they're doing pretty well. So um, we'll kind of have to see though. Tottenham play Arsenal next. So I mean that that's a chance for Arsenal to kind of redeem a little. Uh, you know, a few of their man <laughs> card points that they've. Good one, Brandon. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, so, all right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, quick chat on, um, you know, just a quick ask to follow World Soccer Shop on, on social media, Dan. I know that we, we've kind of pushed this a couple times, but again, they're presenting sponsor. They hook us up big time. We just want to show them a little bit of love back. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those platforms have great presence from World Soccer Shop, new kit releases, new boot releases, all available there and done with a very stylistic photos. So you're not just loading up your feed with ads, you're loading up with some nice uh, soccer photos. And Nick, we have a we have a very open dialogue with their team. So if there's anything that the fans want to see that they're not seeing, like we would be happy to pass that on because they're very open when it comes to that. Yeah, it's a really great point. Uh, I think, you know, guys, if they're, you know, we're working on some initiatives with them just to let you know uh, on the back end, uh, maybe even some promo codes and such. Uh, but if there's stuff that you want to see or if there's items that you don't see that you would like to um, you would like them to carry, like we'll pass along all that stuff. So just DM us and we'll we'll get that message across. 
All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into some questions. Uh, the first one we have is from Shane. Uh, he donated, he donates on Patreon, so uh, his question goes to the top of the pile. And he, he he actually has a bit of a scenario for us, so it's it's a little intense. He asks, if you were to forget the starting 11 for a minute, suppose all of our players are healthy, who would you leave in the stands for our next big match? For example, uh, if you've got Courtois, Rudiger, Espilicueta, Luis in the back with Alonso, Moses, Drinkwater, Conte, Fabregas in the middle, Hazard, Morata up top, you've only got seven spots on your bench and you've got eight total people. So, for example, would you leave out Zapacosta, William, Pedro, Christensen, Batshuayi, Bakayoko? I don't know. Dan, what do you, what do you think... If you had to leave one of Chelsea's, you know, one of their 16 senior players off the bench for our next big match, who do you think would get the axe right now? Could I just uh, take Antonio Conte's answer and have it be Luis? <laughs> wow. You, for our next big match, you'd be fine with Luis not even being on the bench? No, I, I probably would bump... Um, Zappa Costa off. If, yeah. <laughs> you you back you backpedaled so fast. No, I just, I just it felt like it was very timely to to <laughs> yeah, this question. Antonio Conte makes a very contentious decision. It's um, true, challenge decision. <clears throat> yeah, I I think that you know really the lineup we had today makes a ton of sense. Just popping in. Victor Moses, you know, healthy Victor Moses for Zapacosta. And as we were chatting during the match, Nick, I think we, we felt very much that the Moses haters have been quite, quite quiet since seeing Zapacosta and then Espelicleta fill in on that right flank. Yeah, not easy to do Moses' job, huh? Hmm. It's really weird. I remember thinking that back in August, but whatever. Um yeah, I think the the one I would drop right now, um, if if you're if you're just looking at you know, areas of strength v areas of weakness. I think I'm dropping William, um, uh, which I know sounds ludicrous to some, but I think he's just been in a really, really bad rut um, for a while. And you know, if you think about Pedro, you think about Musanda, um, if there, there's backup for him um, where there wouldn't be backup for, um, you know, the wings or the midfield. Um, I think that's just kind of surplus to requirements. So, uh, I would leave out William Brandon. Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat as well uh, for the exact same reasons. You know, Pedro, uh, I think, is is better than William, so therefore he that's the only position here that you have essentially two options in, in that role. I mean, maybe, you know, center back defense a little bit, but for me, um, you know, he – it makes sense with the depth that we have that it'd be William. So uh, no hard feelings, though. Obviously, no love lost. Just seems to be the most, you know, kind of makes sense uh, choice for me. So we had some really funny questions about N'Golo Conte coming back. Uh, Vfactor underscore 07 on Instagram. Uh, Teddy Bear hug him. I Teddy 4112 on Twitter. And Emilio underscore uh, just just kind of pointed out there, like, was it was that it? Like, Dan, was that all Chelsea were missing was in Golo Conte? It was a big part. It was a really, really big part of what we were missing. You know, the confidence that he gives other players on the pitch to know that stuff is covered is uh, is hard to replace, Nick. And uh, I know that I sleep more soundly at night knowing that his hamstring is once again healthy. Yep. 
Uh, same. I also would just add, I think the, the focus and the desire today, uh, we haven't seen probably since the Atletico Madrid match. I think it was just ratcheted up to 11. Um, there was certainly a lot of passion exuding through this team. And what you hope is that you hope that, uh, you know, a three match winning streak in the Premier League and a big win over a top six, um, opponent, uh, really gets this team to gel and and to play at the level without those kind of energy levels um, that we saw today. And frankly, we're going to need to do that. Like we're going to need, you know, if there are subs to come in, we're going to need them to play at that level with that kind of intensity. Um, that that makes a huge difference. And it, you know, yes, Ingolo Conte's, uh, you know, a, a whole team by himself, but uh, I think the rest of the squad really came out with a. Um, a, a desire, um, a desire to amaze. No, I mean, anytime you can beat a team that's above you in the table, I mean, that's big. I mean, that's that's taking points off of the teams above you in the table is important, and, and that's what Chelsea did today. Uh, another question we had was from uh, Lynchipu76 on Instagram asked, Any concerns about Hazard's finishing? Had a lot of chances today that all went straight to De Gea. Nick, where are you, where are you at on the concern o meter? Not nearly as concerned as I am for Murata and Bakayoko. <laughs> um, can I, you know, I, I think Hazard had a couple of chances, but um, you know, overall he was being man marked most of the game, so uh, you know he, he didn't really find a ton of space. Whereas Bakayoko and Murata both did and and couldn't put him away. So I, I don't chalk that up to anything. Uh, we obviously had some questions about Christensen, Dan. So at Wade underscore Wilson 10 says, how did Christensen have such a good game with Lukaku in his back pocket? And then Jay Warnecke 94 on Instagram saying, has Christensen secured his spot in the 11? How long until we see Louise again? Yeah, it is hard to do any type of athletic activity when you are carrying a, a, a Belgian <laughs> waffle in your back pocket for the majority of 90-plus minutes. And Christensen, uh, somehow, with pants that I don't believe actually have pockets, found a way to manufacture one whilst on the pitch and then place Lukaku in it uh, and subsequently find time to also place uh, other players in it as well. And I think when you look at the upcoming slate of fixtures here, West Brom, Carabag, Liverpool, uh, Swansea, all from November 18th to the 29th, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that he is going to get minutes as a starter in some of those matches. And I think the question now really is just what's the distribution going to be between him and Luis because they're different players. You're going to get a different type of contribution from each of them, but they both deserve to be starting players, which is a really weird spot for Antonio Conte to be in and where he can play a tactical matchup. But Christensen is is deserving of being a starter and would start for many, many other Premier League teams who have much more porous defenses than, than ours. Well, I, and Christensen, I mean, it's such a tough call just because he's still young. David Luiz is such an established, you know, experienced player. It, it's, it's, he doesn't, he doesn't play young though. It's he plays, true. He plays like an experienced Premier League center back. So I, I, I take the age equation out. I mean, yes, he's less experienced, 
But, it, you know, this was a massive match, and he showed up and didn't put a foot wrong again. You know, if it's a meritocracy thing, he has played better in his opportunities than Luis has played in, in his opportunities this year. And let's just call a spade a spade. You know, Luis, uh, there is no doubt in my mind Luis will be back into this team at some point in that run of four matches. What position he's in and, and how he plays is completely up to him. And, and we'll see what he does with that opportunity. I mean, he's being pushed right now by a young guy um, that isn't playing like a young guy. <laughs> you know, he's, I don't know, Brandon, like, it, merit. Sure. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think that I'm probably just trying to, you know, come up with reasons unnecessarily. So, you know, I just needed that <laughs> nudge, you know, right there. That is the job of the host, though. So, yep. well, well, well done, Brandon. Well All done. right. Well, uh, Jay Heal on Facebook at saying, convincing win and at the right time. Would this formation and performance have done much better against Roma and City? Um, I think this is a little interesting because this was the lineup we had against City, except Murata got hurt with his hamstring, had to come off right away. Um, it, you know, it's the same thing. It's like it, if you would have done this against Roma, I mean, that was more individual mistakes to me. I feel like the way this this game went, this just shows that um, you know Chelsea were mentally ready to go. Uh, they knew the game plan and they, and they executed. But I think moving forward, this is our our best formation in the three five two. Nick is something we've talked about for multiple times. Just with our our personnel, you know, Hazard is more central. He actually has a lot more room to operate without people out on either wing. He can go to the left or to the right side, and we still have that solid block behind him with Fabregas freed up. So. Would it have done better? Maybe, but I think that the fact is we had fully fit players ready to go this time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think you're dead on. You know, I think we think back to the city match. Um, you know, we were playing a, a less fit Bakayoko. You know, a, a Sesk trying to figure out his role in this three five two since that was like the second match that it had been fully deployed. And, you know, and N'Golo Conte on the verge of a hamstring injury. And, you know, sure, it's healthier now and it looked better today. But I think City's just really fucking good, too, guys. Like, I know they are. It's nuts. You know, like, if, if you're going to ask me to go relitigate that match, I, I can't. I can't give you a way that we win because, you know, it's just like one of those things. So, yeah, I, I think I think this formation does give Chelsea the best chance at big matches, though, for sure. Well, it is something that at Loyal USU fan and All Right Vru were asking, you know, um, on a level 1 to 10, how happy are you with this going into the break? And will everyone get off Conte's back yet? No, no one's going to get off his back. Like, it, it writes headlines. And All Right Vru saying, can we take this win and make it a turning point to a roller coaster season so far? Confidence is high. Uh, Dan, I mean, this is uh, this is a statement win as far as this season goes. And it puts us one point off of... Uh, Manchester United and Tottenham and so hopefully I know we've said this a couple times already this can be the turning point um, but it is a little weird now that we have essentially a week and a half off for the international break yeah I think you wish we had another match coming up right after this because the confidence and the swagger you know, might diminish just a touch but you know for all those players that weren't selected for international duty who aren't going away you, you can imagine that positive vibe and energy is going to carry through the the training that they do uh, while a few of the lads go off and uh, play for their country 
All right, let's go ahead and wrap up with probably my favorite que- uh, question that we got today, Nick, was from <laughs> at Lewis underscore Holden, <laughs> good friend of the pod, says, how is Bakayoka both fantastico and terrible at the same time? I mean, oh. that's an honest assessment of how his day went. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a really good question. I don't have an answer to. I mean, you you think back, finding the space, holding up the ball. You know, he was almost playing as like one of the the forwards at times. He was getting so far forward and and was finding those pockets of space. And then when he was at the crucial moment, Dan uh, shast it wide, sharded himself, whatever you wanted to call it, chidge uh, from from a couple weeks ago. It, it was uh, a calamity once once the ball was in a position for him to do something real with. It reminded me, and so have you ever watched uh, How I Met Your Mother? There was the whole Vicky Mendoza scale, which was like reading yes. like the hot or craziness of yep. a uh, <laughs> of a, a potential partner, and like depend upon how attractive they were, it like increased the amount of crazy they could crazy, be. But there yep. was like a there was a line, like if you went above this line, like you clearly had a problem. Uh, he was flirting with that Vicky Mendoza line <laughs> <laughs> this match. That is that's true. I, I don't know, man. Like. He, uh, we saw him play for Monaco last year, and he's not a bad player. He's clearly not a bad player, but uh, has some work to do in the uh, in the offensive third if he is going to be deployed uh, in this three five two. Brandon, I think this is probably his best performance we've seen from him this season, though. I know, obviously, you know he showed well in Atletico, but uh, he was able to tackle well. Um, he had uh, fantastic runs running at the uh, opposition team, which freed up a lot of space uh so i think that there's a lot of positive signs and as he gets continues to get fit and acclimated to the premier league and in chelsea obviously we know how important it is to have angolo Conte next to him uh, but i think that while it was rough around the edges there was a lot of of kind of positive stuff going forward so uh, overall again thank you guys for all of your questions it's uh it's so much fun to kind of talk to about what you guys want to hear so uh keep them coming we'll always do that and uh before we wrap this up with a very brief very brief match preview um we just want to remind you that uh the xl tours trip to london is done we're finalized we're ready to go nick we bought tickets tonight we can't go back that's right. We're, we're, we got our travel solidified, which is fantastic. So, uh, yes, um, registrations have closed for, for the um, for the December trip. Uh, we will we will uh, be in communication about the March trip coming up uh, or April trip, I guess, um, to watch Spurs as well. Um, so be on the lookout for that if you're looking for that trip. But uh, for those who are signed up, uh, cannot say how excited we are to have you and uh, look for a email this week. Uh, kind of detailing some uh, some questions or thoughts that we have and uh, also to maybe get some uh, some sizes of shirts and, you know, stuff like that, Dan. Yeah, I think the thing that we're also working on, too, is figuring out a way that, you know, if you want to gift the experience of going overseas and taking a part in one of our trips, especially the one that we're taking next season or this next part of the season for us, we think about our seasons of a show. Um to Stanford Bridge to see Tottenham. Uh, we are working on XL Tours with some gift options that you could do this holiday season too. So stay tuned for that. 
All right. Well, like we said, um, we do have an international break coming up, unfortunately, but we just wanted to let you know that when we get back, we will be taking on West Brom uh, in the Premier League. And Chelsea will be on the road at the Hawthorns, and it'll be coming up in the near future on Saturday, November 18th. I mean, just real quick, Nick, um, West Brom are in a bad spot right now. They, uh, you know, just lost again this weekend. Um, they are not really the Tony, the classic Tony Pulis side, uh, I guess, is, is how you describe them this season. Not not really going the way they want. No, they're, they're in a bad, they're in a bad run of form for sure. And I was listening to Talk Sport today and they were basically talking about the bottom six right now and and how similar all those teams are you know just the lack of punch up front and and kind of all over the place at the back and that's that isn't typical of a, a Pulis side I mean they are they are historically under Pulis very difficult to play against you know clearly it took us to the 83rd minute last year to win the title uh, at the Hawthorns so um, you know this is you know, a, a desperate team, Dan, I think they're probably going to play us pretty tough because that just seems to be the way of the world. Yeah, it's exactly what you would expect, I think, at this point in the season when teams are still struggling to find their identity. I mean, it's all you hope is that they don't do the inverted Crystal Palace and outplay their <laughs> form <laughs> and their run of, of action to give us a little bit of a tougher business. And, you know, it's always a little tough to play against West Brom and the long ball antics and defensive rigidity that they usually have. But, you know, as Nick pointed out, it sounds like they're struggling a little bit more mightily than they have recently. I mean, the goal difference is only negative five, so they're not when they do lose, it's not by a, a massive amount. Uh, they've only allowed 14 goals in, which you know, you know we've allowed 10 in uh, at this point in the season. Uh, Liverpool has has done worse than they have. Uh, you know, so it all a matter of perspective. But I think West Brom always give us a little bit of a, a tough fight. So I'm sure that they are not going to take this line down at all. Well, uh, as you're kind of pointing out, um, the only thing that really matters is that they are in 16th with two, one, four drawn, lost five. They didn't, they haven't won in the last five matches, losing the last three, drawing the other two. Um, like I said, just coming off a zero one loss to Huddersfield. So um, we'll kind of see how it goes as we uh, as we get ready uh, post international break. So with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap this up with final thoughts. Nick, a treat for the fans. A treat for the fans is how how much has changed in five days um, for those Conte out people on Tuesday that I had to yell at. Um, this dude is passionate. He is determined. He's fierce. And he is the guy I want leading Chelsea Football Club um, into the future. And I'm... I'm so I'm so pumped for him today. I think more than more than anybody that you know. He, I think he needed this. He needed a big win. And uh, and Dan, this was exactly what was on the cards. And I'm 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 proud of him. I uh, I know nothing. Nothing. Um, tiny little ponies on a roller coaster. This this is Chelsea. <coughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mourinho, for that terrible <laughs> final thought. Um, I would like to point out, kind of piggybacking off Nick, is that this uh, international breaks are prime time for managers to get sacked. Who knows uh, who's on the chopping block? But I can tell you, you know, I know Abramovich was at, 
at the training ground this last week, and that's always an omen of death. But Antonio Conte, as he said, has earned his time, uh, and he had a great victory today. So I don't think we have to worry about anything. And if you tweet us at Conte out, um, we would be happy to mute and or block you. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, we appreciate you listening. And until next time, I'm sorry it's an international break, but we will be back. And when we do, make sure to keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.